Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. learning to do in this podcast is to live more vertically and not just horizontally, to to lift up our eyes, to see the context of everything in our lives in the reality of God and his presence, the presence of the I am throughout our day in the moments of anxiety, worry, fear, in moments of tension, conflict with people moments of temptation, and in dealing with unforgiveness, and also in the good moments as well, because those perhaps, I think, at least in my life sometimes, those are the most dangerous times for me in my heart and in my soul, because I begin to trust in something else for my joy, my satisfaction. I'm more motivated to pursue that because that, that in some sense, it has a, a promise to me. It's holding out a promise that it's going to make my life what I want it to be. And and for me, those are dangerous times, times of temptation, times of worry, fear, tension, conflict, and times of beginning to have prosperity and beginning to have certain things that are that I'm excited about. And for me, there are certain highly imaginative passages in the Bible that help motivate me in this. I mean, I want to keep this vertical perspective and not get sucked into this mere horizontal story. Because if I get sucked into the horizontal story, then I'm not going to be living the bigger life. I'm not going to be living in the bigger story that my life is in. And Jeremiah is a book in the Old Testament. I think it's the biggest, longest, largest book in the Old Testament. And it is written by the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, and you can look at these always in the show notes. I always have the verses that we look at in the show notes. Those verses have been one of those passages for me. All my Christian life, well, since college, these verses have been a, a place that I go to for the kind of imaginative language when I want to meditate and pray and lift my eyes and see vertically. This passage has been one of the Bible's greatest hits, so to speak, for me. Because in it, God is speaking to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. It's highly imaginative language. The whole chapter, it's a long chapter. And it's one of these chapters where God gets rather sexually explicit in how upset he is with his people rejecting him. We're not going to look at that passage today. And you have to use your imagination to get the full force of what God is trying to say, the picture God is trying to give us when it comes to whether or not we're pursuing him first as our God or we're pursuing other things, getting hijacked by other things. When I get the imagination, the images that God is trying to give me, when when I start to imagine that, the more I imagine it, the more it motivates me to see my life the way God sees it to see the reality of my choices the way God sees that reality. I'm just going to read the verses first. Verse 11, But my people have exchanged 
their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares Yahweh, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Now, this passage has a lot of imagination. We need, to, we need to use our imagination to get what God is trying to say, to exchange our glorious God, our God of glory, the God that created this universe. You have to imagine the God that created this universe and the glory of this incredibly vast universe, the glory of nebulae, these, these gaseous pictures you see sometimes in the universe of of beauty and and glory in the universe of galaxies uh and and quasars all these kinds of things that you see that is just a picture of the glory of the creator or if if it helps you think of the glory of a mountain range that's a picture of the glory of the creator Yahweh the I am, the one who is the source of all that exists and the giver of all life. Think of the glory of Yahweh, the I am, the glory of God. And what God is saying is we're exchanging that for trusting in an idol, trusting in a false God. Now, we don't bow down to a, a wooden statue as our idol. We have idols that we trust in for our happiness, our satisfaction. We have idols that we trust in as our solutions to our problems. We turn away from God. We, we, we don't think of God. We look just merely horizontally to a horizontal solution, a horizontal hope, a horizontal pursuit, a horizontal glory. And God says that is a worthless idol. We're, we're exchanging glory of the God that created this universe for a worthless solution, a worthless pursuit, a worthless promise. Idols make promises, promises to fill our lives, promises to make us happy, promises to satisfy us. God says they are worthless promises. So verse 12, be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares Yahweh. Think of that. God is saying, look, the universe itself that I created is, is a testimony and a testament to the glory of the creator. And the very universe itself should be appalled and shudder with great horror at our rejecting the God that created this universe and the glory of God that created this universe. We're not as excited about him. We don't want to pursue him. We don't want to trust in him. We don't see his promises as the promise that we want to pursue. Instead, we see horizontal promises that we trust in instead, more excited about and the universe itself stands against us as a witness of the horror of that choice, to be appalled at that exchange. So verse 13, God says, my people have committed two sins. Now that in the Hebrew is, is that the word for evil? My people have committed two evils. This is evil. This is the first evil. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And the second evil is and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Again, this is highly imaginative language. We are exchanging the glory 
and they have forsaken me the spring of living water, this fountain of living water. We talked about this in our last episode that all throughout the Bible, this is an, um, an image God keeps giving us over and over of who he really is in our life. He is the one who is living water, a spring of water. You can't have life without water. Water is life. Water is satisfaction. Water quenches our thirst. Life is filled with thirst and only God can quench it. So Jesus, when he said to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks this water, pointing to the water in the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, no doubt Jesus has this passage in Jeremiah in mind, and he's saying, look, the water in this well is just going to make you thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I, Yahweh, in the flesh, the water I give, they will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is a picture God is trying to give us, that he is our creator, and he created us with a heart and a soul, with longings that only he can fill. And when we try to fill those longings through horizontal things and we reject God and go after something else, we're going after water that is a broken cistern. A, a cistern was a pit in the ground that would they would put water in to hold water when there wasn't a spring of water nearby. And God says, anything else that we turn to for our satisfaction, anything else we trust in as our hope, as our answers, is like trying to hold water in a broken cistern. It's not going to hold water, and the water is just water in a pit, but that God is the fountain, the spring of living water. He is the author of life. There is life in nothing else but God, the I am, the creator. When I reject God to turn to sin, to satisfy me, to make me happy, to quench my thirst, I am forsaking the spring, the fountain of living water, and I'm digging my own pit that doesn't hold water. I'm exchanging the glorious God for a worthless idol. When I reject God and turn to myself and my self-sufficiency and go throughout my day just basically forgetting God and living life merely horizontally, I am unconsciously, but still nonetheless, forsaking the spring of living water in order just to pursue moment by moment my own dug pit to try to find happiness and satisfaction and trusting in a worthless idol and, and exchanging the glorious God for a worthless idol. When I'm stuck in anger and unforgiveness, I am exchanging the glorious God for a worthless idol of my own self-righteousness and the pleasure of my own anger and hanging on to my resentment towards somebody. And what I'm doing is I'm forsaking the spring of living water and digging a pit that's not going to satisfy my thirst. The unforgiveness is not going to satisfy me. It's a lie. It's an idol. When we're driven by 
pleasing people and the acceptance of the crowd and the acceptance of people. And so we turn away from what we know God wants us to be and things God wants us to say and stands God wants us to take. And instead, because of our fear of the mob, our fear of the crowd, we compromise our beliefs, we compromise our convictions. We want to, in some sense, show that we're along with the crowd so that they don't turn against us. We're exchanging the glorious God for worthless idols. We're forsaking the spring of living water and digging our own pit that's not going to hold water. Be appalled at this, the universe itself, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the I am. God says this is evil. This is trying to find life in evil, turning away from the fountain of living waters, turning away from the creator of the universe, turning away from the glory of God to worthless idols. And that's the glory of people's approval, the glory of people's acceptance. Whatever this is for you, and you know better than I do, What are the ways that you are exchanging the glory of God for the false promise of a worthless idol? What are the ways that you are forsaking the spring of living water and trying to dig your own pit, your own cistern of water that is not going to hold water? It's going to be empty in the end. Use your imagination, thinking of God as the glorious God that created this universe. Use your imagination to think of the universe itself being appalled at our exchanging God for the promise, the false promises of worthless idols. Things that we trust in for our identity. Things that we trust in for our fulfillment. Things that we trust in for our meaning in life. If we didn't have them, life is not worth living. We have to have them to be happy. We have to have them to be joyful. We have this false promise that if I had that, then I'd be joyful, then I'd be happy, and I don't have that, so I can't be. That's an idol. That's exchanging the glorious God for the false promises of worthless idols. And the universe itself is appalled. The universe itself shudders with great horror at our exchanging the glory of the creator of this universe for these worthless idols that are empty in the end. If you have a pornography habit, you know what this is talking about. You are digging your own cistern and it doesn't satisfy your thirst. It leaves you thirsty. It doesn't have the promise of the God of the glory of this universe, but instead is a worthless promise because it's a worthless idol. You're forsaking the spring of living water and you're digging your own pit. If you're living for people's approval, you know what that means to exchange the God of this universe, the glory of the approval of God, instead for the approval of worthless idols that are going to leave you empty in the end because they are not going to fill you. They are going to die and you're going to die and it is a dead end. You're forsaking the spring of living water and digging your own pit that cannot hold water. The false promise of wealth, the false promise of more, 
is trying to dig our own cistern, but it's not going to hold water. It's not going to satisfy. It can't even compare to the wealth of the God of glory that created this universe. It's a false idol with a false promise that's going to leave you empty and thirsty in the end because only God is the spring of living water. Don't trust in your wealth. Don't trust in your possessions. You don't need more to be happy. You don't need more to be joyful. You're lonely and you want to compromise your moral convictions because you think that's going to fill your soul. But it is a broken cistern that will not hold water. It is a bad exchange. Lift up your eyes and see the glory of the God that is your creator. Don't just keep your eyes to the ground, to your own dug pit. There's no water there that satisfies. The water that satisfies comes from the glorious God that created you and created you with the longings that you have that only he can fill. Let's bring this into our soul deeper by praying this. Oh God, you are the glorious God that created this entire universe. You are the glorious God that is my creator. You created me to live in your glory, to reflect your glory, created in your image of glory, to be joyful and satisfied with the living water of your glory, your splendor, your beauty, your steadfast love, And I keep forgetting that and trusting in the promise of worthless idols that have a false glory. It's just a shimmer of light. It is not the glory of the creator of this universe. And I want to be appalled at that exchange. I don't want to be okay with that exchange. I want to see it as the evil that it is. The forsaking of good, the forsaking of life, the forsaking of true glory, the forsaking of my creator and turning to worthless idols. Forgive me for all the ways that I have exchanged your glory for another glory. Forgive me for the ways that I keep exchanging your glory for a false, worthless glory. I want to repent of the ways that I forsake you as my spring of living water and instead try to find water in a pit, moldy, putrid water that somehow has become more attractive to me than the spring of living water that comes from the glorious God that is my creator and the creator of this universe. Forgive me for being so stupid, so easily fooled. How in the world do these dug pits of putrid water satisfy compared to the fountain of living water that is eternal life found only in Jesus, found only in this story that you are writing in history for all eternity. And I want to be in that story. I want to be in that life. I want to be in the presence of of the creator of this universe and your glory and your beauty. And I don't want to turn away from you for a worthless idol. I don't want to turn away from you to dig my own cistern, my own pit 
of putrid water that doesn't even hold water in the end. I want to stay with you, the fountain of living waters. I want to stay with you, the glorious God of this universe. I don't want to keep making this exchange, this stupid exchange. I want to lift my eyes and look to you as my hope, my joy, my life, my satisfaction, trust in you and your will for me, even in times of suffering, even in times of loneliness, even in times of sacrifice. I know that your promises ultimately satisfy and the false promises of evil and sin will leave me empty in the end. I know this is true. And so I want to remember and lift my eyes to you. You are the fountain of living waters. You are the glorious God that created this universe. And I trust in you and submit to you and pursue you and follow you and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.